0: hey lucy what's up tim so for today's podcast we watched a completely unnecessary sequel to the classic nuclear war movie war games i guess this time the only winning move is not to push play on the dvd right um
1: tim i think you're being super critical
0: Welcome to another episode of the Supercritical Podcast, where we delve into the fun and oftentimes nonsensical way pop culture portrays nuclear weapons. My name is Tim Westmeyer, someone who studies nuclear weapons and works on nuclear non for a living. But I am joined today in the podcast studio slash over Zoom with Lucy Steigerwald, a writer in Pennsylvania and a fellow fan of nuke pop culture and fiction, uh, and a former excellent podcast guest from our fun episode on the Fallout video game series and our not-so-fun, more-depressing episode on the movie Testament. Welcome back, Lucy.
1: Tam, I love to be here. I truly do.
0: Well, I'm glad to have you here. I did promise you after we did that Testament episode that I would counterbalance this with something a little more lighthearted, a little more fun. Uh, I think the movie we're covering today is pretty much the opposite of a film, like Testament, in a sense, uh, on the nuclear war movie genre spectrum, because we're here to talk about a direct-to-DVD-slash-movie. I'm not sure it was ever printed on DVD, and if it was, um, I'm sure someone's just using it as a coaster, but this is one of those movies that was released in 2008, kind of more like a video on demand, uh, and it's called War Games, The Dead Code. I never really find out what The Dead Code means, other than, I guess, a computer program that tries to kill you. But it's called The Dead Code. It was meant to be a part of a series of on-demand reboots and sequels that the studio MGM announced back in 2007. And uh, let me just read to you, in a press release, how they got us pumped up for this series of direct-to-DVD movies. So, quote, We're targeting today's savvy media consumer who demands quality video entertainment, regardless of where that video entertainment takes place. By leveraging film and television franchises, which have already been proven to be popular with a specific targeted demographic group, which is me from the 80s and Nuke, I guess, um, we're able to both continually replenish our library while also maximizing revenues from our existing film and television programming. So this included movies like The Cutting Edge 3, Legally Blondes, and I think two more Stargate movies.
1: I think I've watched those Stargate movies, actually. And we should have watched them instead of this. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. It's like, they're like, oh, people know war games. They like war games. Tim likes war games. Let's <laughs> give him more war games. And what we got was, I mean, war games in the title. But it's it's quite an interesting idea that this needed to exist. It's a there's a couple of these that have been out recently, like Hollywood loves with the remakes and the more safe established audience, you know. I there, but it's also been movies like Top Gun, which when that was released, I was like, oh, why does that need a sequel? It's doing great and people love it. Not this one. This is not one of those cases where it happens to be turned out to be the correct thing. But Lucy. Let's get us excited for War Games 2 in particular. Do you want to read the, uh, the press release summary of how they described their take on this classic story?
1: Oh, boy, do I? Okay. War Games, The Dead Code, there's no two there, um, tells the story of Will, an 18-year-old computer genius who, through his efforts to impress a hot, young chess prodigy named Annie, unwittingly gets registered in the Department of Homeland Security cyber web as a potential terrorist. Now Will and Annie must work to clear their names and save Philadelphia from total annihilation.
0: <laughs> and you're you're in PA. Were you concerned about Philadelphia during this movie?
1: That's a good 6 hours from me. Um <laughs> so I was feeling safe. Um it, it, there there are nuke things where uh, Pittsburgh actually gets it, but I was feeling pretty safe from everything except <laughs> boredom in this one.
0: So War Games, uh, I mean, we've covered War Games on the podcast. It's actually a movie I feel like I want to cover again at some point because... It was like our second or third. It was like our first batch of episodes we did. We weren't really knowing what we're doing, you know, when we did this back in the day where my, my original podcast host, Joel, like that was 2016. I probably can do it again. It was a long time ago. Um, Can you refresh me? You know, my memory. What is, if you had to describe war games in like a paragraph, What? why is this movie talked about it being like one of the best nuclear war movies? Why do we care about this film? Like, what is it about? What's your take on on war games? I think you've covered it for your apocalypse movie blog.
1: Yeah, I really love War Games, um, and I last rewatched it maybe like six months ago, and I gave it a healthy four out of five on Letterboxd. War Games is a 1983 movie starring proto-Ferris Bueller, who is a hacker. David Lightman is his, is his name. We see examples of him hacking and impressing Ally Sheedy, <laughs> soon to be in The Breakfast Club. David uses his many hacking skills to eventually hack into... Whopper, which I forget what it stands for, but he's basically hacking into NORAD because they have decided to remove that human element from launching nukes because in a little prologue in the film, which I actually just watched, there's a false alarm in a a missile silo and one guy is not willing to turn his key. So the human hesitation element, these these galaxy brains want to get rid of (laughs) by putting a computer in charge of it. So shenanigans happen David gets taken to NORAD, he escapes, oh my gosh. They have to find the guy who faked his death, who made jo- the computer.
0: I remember the the big thing is, is that they accidentally tricked the computer into thinking that it's going to play a game called Global Thermonuclear War, right. but the computer doesn't know that it's a game, but it's playing for keeps because it has access to all the toys, the nuclear weapons, the missiles. And it's like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. I just got to crack those pesky nuclear codes first. And it's got to, there's the ticking clock.
1: And the whole thing, eventually David and Ali Sheedy and the Professor Falk and his name end up back at NORAD and they have to convince the panicky humans that (laughs) what appears to be an incoming attack from the Russians missiles is just a game it's not really happening so they have to kind of take that risk and not respond uh and it all turns into uh, what should be a maybe obnoxious parable you know the uh the only winning move is not to play which you know is both tic-tac-toe and uh Thermonuclear war, <laughs> and we all learn a good
0: lesson. The lesson that the m g m studio took was, yeah, so it's twenty five years later. Let's just do that again, but let's update it here and there. um, they add up some stuff, they take away some stuff, they don't really have the cast you know that uh stands up to you know the great people that were involved in the first one i i wanna you know I will hold withhold judgment, you know if people haven't already figured out what we feel about this film we'll we'll save that for the end uh, but what I wanna do here is i wanna i wanna run through this film and and discuss. You know why? Why did this happen? Um, kind of who were involved, and kind of what is it? St- what is it trying to say? If it's trying to say anything about uh, about nukes and um, the way that we think about them, because. It's 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 definitely interesting. The cast, uh, you know, it's got some people who have credits from some places. The guy who plays the main lead, the Will Farmer, this high school student, his at uh, actor is Matt Latner. Latner, Latner. He's the voice of Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars cartoon and, and I guess a star of a nine oh two one oh spinoff. So he's got some credits to himself. He's not was terrible con- in this.
1: I was convinced he was Buffy's really boring season four boyfriend on Star huh. Slayer, and he absolutely is not. He just looks kind of the same.
0: I think he's of a type, uh in those yeah. the, the style of Iowa
1: uh, form car- corn fed, etc. Yeah.
0: And his counterpart, Amanda Walsh, I guess she uh has been on she was an she's an actress, but also I guess a writer on Shits Creek, which you know people, people really like. Uh her name is Annie uh Demato, uh which I guess he's a chess player in the movie. You know that because um, you know, checkmate, check De- uh Annie Demato. There's some there's some joke they're playing here. Um apparently she was also the original lead of the Big Bang Theory. But after the pilot was filmed, they they tested her out of it and brought in someone else. Oh, that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And the only other person that I think is really recognizable on here is Claudia Black, who I do know of because she does a lot yeah. of video games.
1: And Stargate in later seasons and Farscape. Claudia ba- Black, in fact, deserves better than this movie. I don't I don't know about <laughs> those other people, but I was a little indignant when I realized that was her.
0: Maybe she said, I'll do this movie. I'll voice your your robot, but I want two more Stargate movies. <laughs> and she got it.
1: I mean, that was then good and it was worth it.
0: All right. So Rotten Tomatoes doesn't even have a score for this. There's only three reviews listed on there. Uh, two people hated it. One person thought, yeah, it's fine. So that's kind of where we're starting with this. Clearly, this was not released in theaters. Uh, you can rent it for four bucks. Um, uh, You said you found it on free, free for you too. I'm sorry that I made you buy it.
1: But then I couldn't find it today. So that might've been a fever dream, much like this entire movie. So, <laughs> but I wasn't going to pay four bucks again because I watched it two days ago.
0: So. Right, right. Uh, okay, so... There's two questions I have for us um, as we're kind of going through this movie. Uh, First is why. Two is how dare you. And that's directed at the uh, people who made the movie. I have no other, there's not a lot in the movie that's worth covering in terms of like big themes. But we'll get into it
2: in the ongoing war against terror. We have to be able to anticipate threats. The U.S. has a new weapon of defense.
3: Ripley will be online 24-7 looking to identify our enemies.
2: A computer that will use any tactic.
3: Ripley walks tall and carries a very big stick.
2: To destroy any target she thinks is a threat. There's only one problem. I just found this new gaming site. It's called Ripley. She likes to play games.
3: Attractive, high-stakes games hidden in the darker reaches of the Internet.
2: To trap potential terrorists.
3: Skilled gamers exhibiting familiarity with weapons systems and terror tactics.
2: But when this innocent computer whiz...
3: Please select your games.
4: You have entered the dead code.
2: Logs to play.
4: Please select your target area code.
3: Philadelphia.
4: Projected dead. 100,000.
2: She turns his virtual war.
3: Ripley's
4: taking control of one of their predators, fully armed and fueled. Oops. Smart bomb with multiple low-yield warheads.
2: Into a deadly reality.
4: Initiating defense and countdown. Flaps
2: at zero. You don't want to know. Now, they've lost control. And the only way to end the game is to find the one who started it.
3: Come on, come on, come on. Have a lock
2: on him? Got him. Get the kid in here. Those decon systems,
4: do they follow the same protocols as the game I played?
2: The race is on.
4: The city is going to die, Will. No, our families are there. We have to stop them.
2: And the only way to win. I want to hack with this Game bot network. And what bet? Ripley will have to play out the war game scenario. She either backs off or starts World War III. Is to beat her at her own game.
4: Target acquired. Launching in 5,
2: 4, 3,
0: 2, 1. War games. The Dead Code. All right, so let's run through the plot of this uh, movie. And as usual, spoiler warning, if you haven't seen this film and you're worried about it being spoiled, uh, you probably should not have watched the original War Games because it's pretty close. But nevertheless, we're going to get into it. Uh, And the movie gets into it and starts off by us seeing, you know, a desert country. We see SUVs aggressively driving up. Uh, You see stylishly dressed women in the back. Uh, You get this mix of, like, video and, you know, cell phone footage and all this other kind of stuff. And it's, it's clearly, like soldiers that movie codes them as terrorists there's like a black arms black market arms sales team taking place but they seem like they're like a great time people are partying having fun uh then there's just kind of interesting shot where a guy shoots a gun up in the air you follow the bullet in a tracking shot the bullets in the air and as it starts to descend back down a predator drone flies right by launches a missile right back at the guy uh, and ruins their party and it's all to set up the fact that there is this predator drone out there controlled by an AI, artificial intelligence system called Ripley, and it's really good at taking out Paris somehow. And sounds like someone something we should be tracking moving forward
1: my only note for the opening is opening scenes are trash and i <laughs> i i started checking the time code so quickly it was so bizarre and cheap looking in the opening and just
0: yeah it's it's definitely the budget of a direct-to-dvd direct-to-streaming Ugh. movie but it sets up the fact that there's you know there's some system out there targeting terrorists and it seems to be good at what its job is but which, which as far as we know at this point is like shooting missiles which you know i thought people are like pretty good at without artificial intelligence you know we're fairly effective with our drone policy not needing a robot to do it but anyways this movie posits where it's being controlled by an ai system and it's and the people are pretty happy about how it's working you know away from there far back in you know closer to you but you know still six hours away lucy uh we're back in philly pa we find this uh, interesting group of friends um hanging out in someone's basement a gamer person named dennis and his friend will will farmer the dennis is kind of upset he's bored he's trying he's like yelling at people playing um some game uh on his computer and will is just trying to be like you know hey man i'm just trying to build something uh you know hanging out i guess will is got in trouble because he stole his mom's credit card and and i I guess bought a bunch of stuff on world of warcraft and stole yeah stole his mom's credit card paid her back though and he seems to be our like hero like the good guy in the movie uh dennis seems to be his friend who you know he admits to like hacking other people's credit cards and uh no problem he, he can just they're untraceable that's the dynamic of this friend group.
3: I just traded these hacked credit card numbers to a guy online for this new peer-to-peer tool. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Guaranteed. Undetectable. What do you say? Be my guest. Well, I was kind of hoping you sort of help me figure this stuff out since I'm not totally sure how it works. Look, man, I promised her I'd give it a rest. <laughs> of course you did. It's your mom. What else are you going to tell her?
0: Only this time I meant it. Does this uh, track with you in terms of you know who you used to hang out with in PA?
1: Oh, yeah, just a bunch of hackers and obnoxious um, best friends. Yeah, the the friend is like the batter guy, obviously, and uh, our blonde, uh, not that guy from Buffy but looks like a guy is a little more he has to be convinced to try to like do you know worse things steal more money but he's also like a a crack hacker as well clearly they're both very savvy in computer stuff
0: he definitely uh Lightman-esque when Lightman David Lightman Matthew Broderick in the first movie was finding ways to impress uh his uh Ali Sheedy by like using I guess a, a ping uh noises to make free make make free phone calls uh in this one he uses some sort of device so that he can like pick up on your phone signal and then like make so that it looks like calls are coming from your phone. Like he can make a phone call from your phone from a distance. It's kind of interesting, but you know, it's just to show that he knows what he's doing computer wise.
1: I believe that one is not very accurately portrayed. Um, <laughs> hackers love the original war games. Like They, they named the annual hacking conference DEFCON after the movie, even though that doesn't really make sense because DEFCON's already new mm-hmm. thing. They love it. They love it. They say it's pretty accurate, at least most of it. And actually today I watched a YouTube thing where it was hackers react to Wargames 2. Oh. And it was not very, not super accessible to the non-hacker, i.e. me, but they're very critical uh, of this movie and it's technological impossibilities, basically. Hmm. And they do point out the cell phone thing in the opening scene where um, that's not really a thing. And if it was a thing, it wouldn't look like that, basically.
0: Well, it is fun to see a, a time back in the day when people still had, like, razor flip phones. The movie gets at least a positive point for me, because I used to have one of those, and I would thought, thought I was the coolest. I'm already associating myself with Will and his crew. Uh, it seems like they're pretty tough, um, but... our, our our hero will gets a series of like rapid fire quote save the cat moments you know when you really want to tell the audience like this is the good guy he's like neighbor who is someone who looks like he's from originally from syria uh he's there and he's their neighbor and he says hey um well what happened uh your medicare payments that i helped you with earlier did those come through oh your computer has a virus can i fix that for you oh can i pick up your prescriptions for you basically to show that this guy is a nice guy and he's willing to do anything and everything for his neighbor
3: i got the problem Hey, Mr Monsieur, why I still didn't I, get your Medicare straight? No, no, that's okay. Thank you. But uh, is my computer? Uh, I don't know. It's stuck again.
2: And, and you haven't introduced any new software since I wiped your drive? Well,
3: uh, a site my granddaughter sent me. I know you warned me about it, but, you know, she's in Damascus and she sent pictures. And you know how hard for me it is to see her. Uh, I simply cannot get into my banking file. I'll have a look when I get back. Okay.
0: All right. Oh, and I'll pick up your prescription on my way home. Uh, so even though he stole his mom's credit card and he used to hack things around, he's at least the good guy. He's the hero despite hanging out with this other criminal, cyber criminal.
1: Yeah, the whole thing with the bank account of the neighbor that mm-hmm. he has access to, which is also incredibly hard to believe. Also sort of makes Will instantly less likable. Like David Lightman's whole thing is he's sort of a, a, like a proto-Ferris Bueller thing where it's like, all right, you're being bad, but you're not like stealing money from people. It's not it's not a super consequential badness. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of a similar character there. And here we already have sort of our characters messing with large amounts of money, which makes it seem more serious and more... Like they should know that it's serious as opposed to sort of creative computer shenanigans. I don't know. It makes them sort of immediately kind of unsympathetic to me.
0: In Washington, D.C., you know, we learn that Ripley, the system that we heard about earlier, we finally finally figure out what it is.
3: These are terrorists, people. Eliminated in an automated operation with 98.6% efficiency. 98.6. The temperature of blood and not a drop of ours spilled thanks entirely to our girl Ripley. Ripley detected this particular terror cell through one of her honeypot sites. Attractive, high-stakes games hidden in the darker reaches of the Internet. Once a player penetrates level five, Ripley tags him as a security threat. Ripley engaged skilled gamers, exhibiting familiarity with weapon systems and terror tactics. This particular group managed to pool winnings of just under three million dollars. Ripley walks tall and carries a very big stick. That's why we applaud everyone here for endorsing Ripley's status of complete autonomy, both foreign and domestic. Terror is a filthy sewer filled with hatred and bile that threatens our shores. If we are to protect ourselves, we have to be able to anticipate threats. Are we tempting those who would harm us? Damn right. If they're innocent, truth will out. In the meantime, Ripley will be online 24-7 looking to identify our enemies. And the next 16-year-old who's a year away from strapping on a bomb.
0: And it turns out it's a system, and it's also an acronym that we absolutely never find out, I don't think so in the movie, what it stands for. We learn what Whopper stands for, W-O-P-R.
1: War Operation Plan Response. Okay.
0: But Ripley, we never find out, but we know it's an acronym because the movie tells us it's an acronym, but we don't figure out what it is but nevertheless we find out that ripley is the system that's created to find and dispose of terrorists both current terrorists somewhere around the world or potential ones and the way that it does this is it creates a what they call a honeypot website so they post these websites around the world and they're like mysterious sites you have to like know where they are it's almost like early dark web type stuff and it's a, what's basically a video game slash betting site You play these like terrible-looking Flash games, and they mostly seem to involve flying a a Predator drone through an empty cityscape and occasionally shooting things from the air at what look like military people. And you play this game, and if you impress Ripley enough to get to level 5, then Ripley tags you as a terrorist threat, pays you the money that you won in the game, which is just insane and then watches that person to see if they might actually be a terrorist and or kills them and can just make that call on its own doesn't require any human intervention it can just grab a drone and go this person scored this game which means they must have combat experience or knowledge about chemical and biological warfare so yeah it it, you know, it assumes that terrorists spend their time playing video games online on the dark web or leans heavily into the idea that video games turn teenagers into terrorists or, th- th- we know who you are because you've, you've beaten this level, so you must at some point be a terrorist. It's crazy. It, it it takes it takes the idea of The Last Starfighter, that movie where there's an arcade and if you win it you're shown that you'd be a great pilot. And turns out it's this fantasy coming to life of an alien force somewhere is recruiting people around the universe to fight in this war. And if you're good at the game then you're gonna join the good guys it like flips that it's like nope you're a terrorist so we're gonna kill you
1: or I thought it would be some kind of recruitment like either the government was going to try to recruit people who were good in like a hacker for good type way or like mm-hmm. the way the military uses video games now kind of and just like anything that makes any more sense than a combined dark web gambling terrorist pinpointing site like to It's a, the movie has immediately lost everyone with this, the contrivance, like contrivance is not even strong enough where it's so (laughs) weird, such a weird invention.
0: It's an odd, odd choice. Uh, And Ripley has the ability to do this work. I mean, she's, she's set up for it, but she's, she has the ability to tag someone and deal with them literally up to the point of killing them without any sort of human intervention. And she can do this at home and abroad. So that means in the movie, either... Somewhere in the Middle East, in the United States, or, we'll get to it, Canada. Because so much of this movie uh, takes place in Canada, and pretty much half of the three-quarters of the cast, I think, is actually Canadian, which is fine, but it's kind of (laughs) funny. Clearly, they're like yeah, we're going to film this movie, but I don't want to have to leave my hometown of Montreal for it. So the Montreal looks great in the movie. We'll get to it. Okay. So we're back at school now. So we we know what Ripley is. We know we should be worried about this, but we got to get back to the human element, the heroes of our story, the, the emotional core of this direct to DVD sequel. We meet, there are two friends. They're they're like talking about how they want to maybe play this game. The f- Dennis found Ripley. He's aware of it. He's know about this game. By the way, the the system that created to Kill Terrorists, also the video game is called Ripley. So they didn't they didn't come up with a different name for it. It's all it's just called the same thing. I wonder how many people play the game and wonder what the acronym means. Maybe it's part of the mystery. <laughs> um but we find Will and Dennis, they're like in a library somewhere and Will gets these, like, very curious looks of infatuation from a girl. We find out her name is Annie, and they're playing chess in the library. And he joins the chess club, I guess, because they talk about how if you join the chess club, you can go on a trip to Montreal, like, tomorrow, and Annie <laughs> wants to be there. So he wants to go so that he can go with Annie, and Annie's, like, challenging him to go. How do you feel about this, uh, this uh, meet-cute? I couldn't tell if that's the first time they met or if they knew each other before.
1: Yeah, the one for the first film isn't much, but it's cute, and there's a little more, like, I was just watching the scene where Ali Sheedy gives him a ride home on her, like, moped and stuff. I don't know, they meet his dog and his very weird parents and stuff. There's a lot (laughs) more there. And also, yeah, is the chess thing, like, tomorrow? And boy, is that going to be particularly expensive to buy a plane ticket.
0: It's like, it's like 500 bucks pretty reasonable for a school trip to fly to canada and like room and board also i guess he has to know chess so he has to learn chess over the next day
1: like he could have just already been on the chess team but he has doesn't have the courage to talk to annie mm-hmm. maybe on the big trip like maybe they'll you know whatever something like that <laughs>
0: But it's clear that he doesn't know her perfectly because later that evening he cyber stalks her and goes on her Facebook and tries to, and I remember, you know, I remember my, my college days when, when Facebook first came out and you're like, oh, oh, I don't know who this, I just met this person today. And you like read their, their Facebook page, but he's doing this in a way where he wants to find out everything about her, look at her pictures. And he's really impressed that her like favorite quote is from J. Robert Oppenheimer
1: For hmm. totally noticed that i was like that's our first new thing
0: yeah yeah uh it, it but it's not the classic one it's not the now i am become death the destroyer of worlds what is it
1: any man whose errors take 10 years to correct is quite a man is that it-
0: <laughs> yeah and i guess the thought there is maybe she's looking for someone who is a bit of a fixer-upper and, like, maybe he <laughs> considers himself that. Um, I don't know. Or just, like, you know, try big things, and it takes a while to get there. Whatever it is, it's f- he loves it. Uh, he tries to then, you know, as every good romantic does, tries to guess the password on her high school email account. But she put in what they call a mouse trap. So like you, you put in. He tries her dog's name, her sister's name, and it results ultimately in like a hacker thing where she plays a re- video recording saying like, "Stupid hackers, what are you doing?" But if your name is Will and you're this picture, please come with me to Montreal for the chess tournament. It's like, oh. did did she record that like this afternoon?
1: Yes, I mean she had to have that. As far as I can tell, is no relation to anything real. Like you can't do anything like that on Facebook. You can't even do the old school MySpace things where you have horrible, (laughs) like a song and weird garish backgrounds Mm -hmm. and stuff. Oh God, that's so stupid. Like I can't, I I'm not computer savvy enough to truly articulate why that's so
0: dumb and isn't a thing, but it's not. Is she also a hacker? I'm just realizing this she has to be but she plays dumb later i know she's like tired. she she purposely plays dumb in a scene that we'll talk about in a little bit but like she d- doesn't understand what's happening with other things oh that's so interesting uh, <laughs> uh this movie is nope. everywhere but anyways it's he's met his match right he clearly is interested so he needs to find some money so his mom comes home um turns out his mom works at the chemical plant the big chemical plant in town and she's got a, a nasty cold she's really upset so he's a good son so he rubs her feet and hears about her troubles and then asks for money. Which is you know, you do that in that order. And she doesn't say no, but he's like, I I can find some money maybe myself So he starts working on his neighbor's computer. Turns out the neighbor has like a virus on his computer. What it was set up for was a virus that got sent from one of his family members to allow someone to remotely control the bank account of this neighbor. And this person is a brother in Syria who is just apparently a small time crook, but he's using it to to launder money essentially for the brother in this account. So there's already a lot going on here with this movie. It's a a lot of layers here. Criminal friend. Dennis says, just take out some money from the account and let's use that to bet on that Ripley site, and then you'll have your money. And that's how he gets some the money for the trip with Annie. And eventually they go they go they go to play it of uh, but they only go to play five hundred at first, right? They are going to play five hundred dollars to win that.
1: So how quickly does this game pay out? <laughs>
0: I guess instantly, Um, you know, it it doesn't usually work out that way. You know, it takes me at least three to five days to get my Venmo transfer, Um, but he's, he's expecting to get like cash to be printed out of the floppy drive (laughs) of his uh, computer. But anyways, he, he goes to see the list of games to play and there's a lot of ones that are there. It's like tactical warheads, air to ground combat maneuvers, biochemical warfare. And then we see the one we're looking for global thermonuclear war. I want
1: him to push it so bad because then maybe we'd be watching the original <laughs> movie and we'd be much happier. But and he, he goes,
0: play. of course, nah. He goes, nah, that looks dumb. You know, why would I play that dumb sounding one? And he decides the coolest one to play is called The Dead Code.
4: Your $500 wager has been accepted. Please select your game platform. You have selected the dead code. Please choose body count. All
3: right. Let's see what 20,000 dead gets. You have selected 20,000 bodies. It gets you half an hour of gameplay, which is good. Yeah, but you're only playing for even odds, man. That sucks. Why don't you bump it up to 100,000 bodies? You have
0: selected... Yeah!
3: Five to one odds. Now we're in business. Thank you very much. Yeah, but I've only got 10 minutes. Okay. Do you want your mom to finish her bath and come pay us a visit? Huh?
0: Again, it doesn't make any sense because what they actually play... Is a drone attack of spraying bio warfare. That's in the list. It yeah. says biochemical warfare. That's the game that they're playing, not the dead code. It doesn't make any sense. So, anyways, they play this game, and essentially what they need to do, because they bet the big bet, is they need to quote, kill 100,000 people in the game.
4: Prepare for scenario selection. You have 10 minutes to procure and deploy bio and chemical weapons. Okay. Penetrate our security protocols and exterminate 100,000 citizens. Please select your target area code.
1: Philadelphia.
4: Target Philadelphia. Projected dead: 100,000. You have 10 minutes to complete your mission. Contract begins now. Good hunting, Will.
0: The friend changes the bet from 500 to 5000 when Will isn't looking. How would you describe what's, what's happening in the game? Like the game, they, they give a description of what you're supposed to play. And then we see something different when we see the screen. Like what does the screen, what does it say that the game is?
1: I feel like I was spacing out at this point. It's very like, I don't even know, like what did video games look like in 2008? <laughs> this looks older than that to me.
0: Well, I, I, don't know why, I don't know why I wrote down the description of it. I'll just, I'll read the description. You can tell me what the game actually looks like. You made the right call not writing this down. I spent, <laughs> I will never get back the time that I took to type this out. This is what the computer tells it. It says, using traditional firearms, concussion grenades, and simple household objects, you will have 10 minutes to deploy biological and chemical weapons, penetrate our security protocols, and exterminate 100,000 citizens. So like, that's the, that's the prompt of the game that he's going to go All play. right but what do we see?
1: It, it's just like a drone attack frenetic thing in a low-quality video game. That's all, I mean...
0: We see no firearms. We see no yeah. concussion grenades. We yeah. see no household items. It's just <laughs> this... It's like a something you would download off of, like, like E-bombs world, you know, back in the, <laughs> the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, but we do get our first, like... Reference to a Matt Damon movie. Ripley at one point says, um, Good Hunting, Will.
1: That's so... You know, Good Will Hunting's a good movie, but the title is obnoxious, and this is magnitude more obnoxious because i think isn't i assumed ripley was more referencing another good movie alien which it has no business referencing
0: I, people were saying that it might be referencing because at another point in the movie they make a reference to the talented mr ripley another oh, sure, demon yeah. movie so who knows it could be any of these
1: another good movie good book god
0: well i thought they were going to uh, reveal at some point spoiler alert for later in the movie that it's one of the other kids from dr falcon yeah. and that it was like gonna be his other his other kid because he names joshua project off of his original son who died so i don't i don't know that they, they didn't go that far
1: something maybe something more
0: than what we got that's for sure ripley you know she's watching she sees that he's bet this huge amount of money he's playing the game he's pretty good
3: this is interesting what do you got We have a first-timer playing the dead code for 5,000 at 5 to 1. Where is he? Uh, Looks like Philly. He's pretty good, whoever whoever he is. Better tag him POI.
2: No, no, forget it. Whoever this person of interest is, Ripley's already got five flags on him.
0: So she's tagged him as a potential terrorist threat, starting to look at his connections. Oh, it's already found five potential people, the neighbor, all of this stuff. They find out the money, obviously, you know, the money through this like hilarious little vaudeville run through they find out well the money in that account is actually connected from damascus oh it might be related to a terrorist financing so clearly they're like oh this person is a bad guy they hear like occasional random clips from the audio of the microphone on the computer and they hear the friends singing about how he's going to burn philly to the ground they don't hear any of the other context like that would clearly demonstrate that he's just playing a video game
1: but they know it's a video game because they made it so like
0: yeah <laughs> it doesn't it's 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 weird but anyways he wins the money you know he gets he does really well he does so well he's ultimately at the very end he's like 10 seconds left he runs upstairs to ask his mother a question that the game asks him which is
4: soluble contaminants confiscated they just took all my airborne cyber contaminants So why nuke them?
2: Wrong game, you gotta stick with chem weapons, no toxins. Come on, there's always room for nukes.
4: One what? minute to complete your where, where mission. Where are you going? Better hurry, Will. Mom, if you had to choose between atomizing anthrax or sarin, which would be more deadly?
1: No, honey. Just guess you're talking about sarin gas? Yeah. Yes. Why do you want to know such a thing? Mom, please just take your best shot. Uh, I go with sarin. it's much quicker,
4: it's odorless. Than... Select secondary run, run, weapon. Run, 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 run. You have 20 seconds to complete your body count. Select second you have selected sarin
0: what would you rather use to kill more people anthrax or sarin gas so he asked his mother who's like sick in the bathroom and he asked her what's the better way to kill more people atomizing anthrax or sarin gas and his mom says uh i don't know why you're asking me this but i guess sarin gas so will goes back to the game clicks that prompt to choose that one and he wins
1: hooray like right for sarin gas <laughs>
0: The game looks crazy, but Ripley tags him clearly as a terrorist, sends spyware to the computer, is like watching Will through the webcam, teasing him, uh, like, you know, play again. Why don't you play again? You know, uh, open me up. And it's very interesting what what she's doing, but... Clearly she's messing with Will, but Will's scared, He turns off the lights, goes to sleep, and all throughout this is happening, uh, Ripley is has clearly created what she calls an opponent matrix of who she's going to start arresting. So they know, they don't arrest Will, but they arrest the neighbor and other people in his network. They like wait for Will to like just lead them towards another terrorist cell, but like still very visibly arresting people in his network like it's clear they're chasing him to lead him somewhere but it's like clearly I, I i see you police officer i see you federal agent
1: i wasn't sure if the neighbor was supposed to be actually maybe i'm used to hollywood sort of having oh no the guy's been arrested and he didn't do it like i can't t- I, I wasn't even sure if he <laughs> was actually a terrorist or had an actual connection to a brother who was maybe a terrorist I don't think the movie cares that much, so mm-hmm. I guess I don't either.
0: The movie jumps back and forth to say whether or not it was like a small-time crook brother, or at some point they say, "Oh, actually, no, the brother does have information on someone who was involved in a terrorist cell." I couldn't tell later if that was Ripley lying. She wants it to be true. I don't. I don't know. It. It. it either way, Will goes to put the money back that he won, and through this hilarious pop-up, we learn that the neighbor's bank account was was closed, and now he knows that someone is, is watching him uh but will does get the money he needs because the neighbor just gives him like a envelope full of cash that i no idea what that meant like did he go to the bank realize he had more money before it got shut down although it got cut got shut down the evening before he was able to pull out like what appeared to be like thousands of dollars right and gives will this cash so, the point is now will has money to go to, to get on a plane his mom doesn't care where he got the money from only that he's gonna get to go see the girl and he like goes on a plane goes to You know those things that people used to do is where they would like drive to an airport and then like go up to the counter and pay with cash to get a a flight. To montreal like you know people do that
1: yes especially after 9 11 when you're a high school student this is all that's very- that's the thing that
0: should ripley should tag him it's like paying cash for a flight the same day with like no bags <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense but will's clearly suspicious because he uses his computer skills to hack a bunch of websites and says that this friend his neighbor had no immigration problems there the car that drove him away he checked the plates that doesn't exist so he's clearly like concerned what's happening he like misses his flight this is the part I don't really understand again he like misses his flight almost to his friend who's on the plane and is already starting to harass Will's love interest and he leaves the plane Dennis gets off the plane to go look for his friend which you can't do
1: no you really can't I don't think you could even do that necessarily before 9-11 just like oh I've changed my mind I'm getting off the plane I don't
0: these were all suspicious things <laughs>
1: How long has, was did we know Dennis was in the chess club? I don't, did we know? I don't know if we knew.
0: I, do. I, I don't think he was in it either. I didn't know he was in it. I didn't know yeah. why he was going to show up for the flight. But he doesn't get on the flight. He like misses Will. Will gets on the flight. And the reason why Dennis doesn't get back is because the federal agents have like picked him up. And there's this whole like kind of dumb scene. I'm editorializing now. In between the agents and Dennis. And they're like interrogating him. Like who who is Will? Why is he there? What is his mother up to? Uh, it's a very odd, like intense scene. They arrest the mother. And at some point we learn that the mother had been taking samples from her chemical job. Like basically it's like to make toothpaste or these kinds of things that she's trying to advance. But her, her bosses won't give her the credit. I
1: think they talk about mouthwash. Yeah. yeah.
0: So she like takes the samples home and like puts them under her sink to be like, these are mine. I, these are my inventions. I created <laughs> them. And of course Ripley thinks that these things are biochemical precursors that could be used to make some nasty stuff although also to make mouthwash. So this was the first point in the movie where I was like, oh, this is kind of being interesting because that is a lot of what I deal with a lot of my work. We have an entire program that focuses on chemical security and advancing chemical security around the world and a lot of it is trying to teach people who, who make, like, say, chlorine for pools or chlorine for chemical, you know, if, say that is uh, chem- chemical processes. If they're made in Turkey, how do you make sure that the end user customer of your product is not in Syria? Literally, in Syria, using this to turn it into chemical warfare, uh, chlorine gas as, an, as a weapon, because a lot of these things are dual use you can use one for the other so you have to regulate these precursors and all of these things there's a whole you know there's this thing called the chemical weapons convention that was set up to ban the use of chemical warfare uh, chemical weapons and it's really complicated to to manage uh that process because of how much dual use potential stuff is but in this movie they just kind of take that idea and it's like yeah but if she has it she's probably using it for she's probably using it to build some sort of chemical weapon right and not very clearly like she works at a chemical plant is like bringing home things that she worked on previously it's pretty easy to understand it but ripley knows what she's doing and she thinks that they're all terrorists
1: there's also a line that i wrote down um the federal agents interrogating Dennis of uh, the male one, I believe says regarding your civil rights, you don't have any <laughs> at that the beginning of the quote. I was like, "Boy, were they trying to do a like a war on terror critique here with like, but they like spilled all the plot points on the ground and some <laughs> of them fell in the sewer. And they're like, Oh, this is a critique of something. Well, this
0: is, this is stuff of uh, that, you know, near and dear to some of the stuff that you work on. Right. In terms of trying to, you know, reduce the, potential for these kinds of government overreach things from happening how do you think the the movie handled and they handled them correctly like, Did you see this movie and, and, and scream out to your uh, computer screen like yes this is how I mean, we, this is the debate we need in america
1: not that i know of it's one of those things that's so absurd you were talking about the bank account of the neighbor right and there's this ridiculous notification about it was closed by it might say the FBI or something, mm-hmm. and that reminds me of when uh, Homeland Security would leave those little things on domains that they seized, and that might be around that time. I think hmm. that's probably a reference to that. But doing that to an individual bank account in that way, looking like a URL, is very strange and silly. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. I mean, I don't trust the government. Like that's my and weird stuff certainly happened after the war on terror, and that is that poor Syrian guy is he a terrorist is he just an innocent man we don't know who cares i don't think that many white people are arrested quite so quickly on terrorism things usually and that's not really how we do things yeah the,
0: the movie's kind of making it kind of ignoring that he's a high school student they're like oh no he 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 has weapons training he <laughs> must have learned about chemical weapons from his mother his neighbor is is a is a terrorist with terrorist financing links and you look you know he's doing all this stuff and he's avoiding us why is he avoiding us and all of this is Meant to make you think that Ripley might know what she's doing, but it's just still funny that the ultimate thing that they come down to is whether or not he, you click a box to say what what kills more people, Saren or Anthrax. And if you click 50-50, the right one, in that scenario, they decide, oh, you must be a terrorist. When it's like, what? Wh- why is that the scenario? Because we don't see any of that in the game.
1: Would they not have done anything if you picked Anthrax, which, you know, uh, something actually used more recently in America by terrorists. So like it has more of an association. Yeah. on like, terror shenanigans. If you picked that, what like like Ripley would have called it a day and closed up shop. <laughs> it- this is like Minority Report with a head injury. It's so stupid.
0: <laughs> That's great. No, yeah, Ripley would have been like, oh, never mind, guys. Sorry, sorry. He must have just picked up all of his chemical warfare knowledge from watching like a movie or something. Like a bad WMD movie, right? You know, those exist, um, like this one. <laughs> um, but anyways, we, we see Will. He's on the airplane. He uses the airplane phone, which did exist. Back then, I didn't use that one time. Uh, it's very expensive, but you know he knows how to hack, right? Whatever. Uh, so he finds out that his neighbor's stuff got moved out, and that you know, and that she's sick, and oh, they're about to arrest her, and all of that kind of fun stuff. Ripley's watching the plane. They don't make the plane land. They still let it. They they let it take off. They let it get to Montreal, and I guess every agent, and including Ripley, all have jurisdiction in Canada. So they they continue to follow him.
1: I don't think about that but duh oh my yeah, god so they
0: continue to follow him and basically like operate on canadian soil will gets tipped off from dennis that they're they're about to arrest him don't know why now versus any other time but they're about to arrest him then oh it's, it turns out it's, it's a whole like thing a ruse ripley makes the whole situation look like will got away but he, they're really like letting him lead them somewhere the whole point is is that like will gets away he runs um gets in a cab, kind of runs away. Uh, Annie's there, Annie meets up randomly with some sort of like like person that this kind of creepy old man who like puts his hand on her shoulder and says, "Are you okay?" You know, get a watch out. It, this is kind of crazy here, right? And kind of walks away. Fun thing I I want to note here really quickly is as the mother gets arrested, they say they see her having like a cold and they assume that that must be some kind of bioweapon that she's like accidentally released on herself and that there are people in philly at the moment who are like the flu is bad at the moment and they can't figure out that it's the flu so they must assume that it's a bioweapon that's getting out uh so that's how ripley like says oh okay well i guess uh that's in one that's one tick for the uh actual terrorist column in her in her algorithm but how do will and annie get back together this is a fun a fun scene
1: oh my god um
0: with the payphone
1: yeah the payphone thing it's like it starts off looking similar to the scene in the original one where he uses the phone, mm-hmm. but like, which apparently you can't do at all anymore with the unscrewing of the headset. I mean, mm-hmm. this is kind of a last gasp for payphones.
0: But he uses some device to like text Annie from the from from a payphone, like not the buttons on a payphone but from, like, the receiver.
1: I think I blacked out when this happened.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He texts her and says, please meet by this, like, fountain. And so Annie goes there. She gets Dennis's bag. They meet up. Will decides, I need to find out from my mother if she's still okay. So there's this other scene... Where they're at, like, an internet cafe, and just coincidentally, he notices at this internet cafe, the guy who's running this computer cafe is, like, a super hacker. He's, like, hacking bank accounts and stealing money, so he's a bad guy. So Will sends in Annie to basically pretend to be, like, a a ditzy lady who's infatuated with him, so he can... um, like pretend to uh, be seduced by a high school student. Just wanted to throw that out there too, with this middle-aged hacker man. And Will steals the computer like connection uh, and then is able to hack into Ripley because of course, right? You can do that. Uh, hacks into Ripley and then learns, yep, that uh, the mother is sick in the hospital. So he's worried about her getting worse. If We also learn that Will not only is so great at building computers and is a genius, he also is an all-star baseball player so he has it all
1: he does do it all
0: he can't have just one he's got to be everything
1: yeah this, this movie and uh, admittedly the original they're too they're too afraid to ha- uh cast somebody who looks a little less handsome
0: yeah. <laughs> a little less at least matthew Broderick, i think that was like his second role ever it was before
1: yeah, he was dorkier in a way that worked better
0: yeah he's got a lot of charm um and it's not coming th- through with the uh, poor uh, Leitner. But, you know, it's also not a lot for them to work with. Yeah. And this is where the movie gets confusing because the-, the movie jumps back and forth between, like, are you trying to catch Will or are you trying to lead him somewhere? Because multiple times the federal agents get really close to catching him, but you know he jumps on a um, subway platform and is able to escape him, or you know jumps over a, a car when the car is chasing him. Uh, it's like, do you want to catch him or not? Because it doesn't make sense what they're trying to do. They, they, it's, it's very odd. Annie also is terrified that, like, quote unquote, they are going to get him. But she, I don't really understand also why she's afraid. Because as far as she knows, Will's a criminal doing right. criminal things. I guess they don't know who these people are they don't know that they're like government officials maybe she thinks he thinks they're you know specter or some kind of secret evil corporation secret evil hacker group that also is trying to get them it seems to me pretty clearly that it's like government police and agents trying to get them but it's not like the first movie where they don't want to get arrested because they know information that they have to get to someone and they know that if they don't get there on time there's going to be a global thermonuclear war but here it's just like he just doesn't want to get arrested for for some reason that he doesn't understand
1: and annie gets to have a moment of womanly tears which Mm -hmm. is important um you know they gave her the chest thing and then they were like just kidding you're not a real i mean no one's a real character in this movie but she's extra not a real character
0: yeah because the the crying leads to you know some hugs and some embracing and now they're now they're together it's not the only place where there's emotional turmoil even back at headquarters <laughs> at Ripley HQ Some of the staff are worried that maybe Ripley's wrong because like the profile it like doesn't really fit completely. Like yeah, it makes sense on the surface level. Yeah, but like the chemicals are like these could be used for mouthwash or Ripley starts classifying information. You know, creating these compartmentalization uh, forces of not letting the team know everything. And Ripley like Hal from you know Space Odyssey is like reading lips. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why she doesn't have a microphone there, but she's. She's reading lips of the staff while they're eating lunch, and it's like, oh no, they doubt me, or maybe they're involved in the terrorist plot, and starts classifying them as being risks. And there's a scene later where she uses traffic lights to um, try to kill one of the main like people at Ripley HQ, and ends up hitting another guy uh, instead, and he's like, uh-oh, Ripley is, is gone rogue here
1: as absolutely defying belief thing as things were previously with ripley and the traffic light thing is just like another even more insane mm. and movie the the, the the thing i was watching today they talk about this and point out like the the street is very wide like the guy in the car should have seen the guy in the street and like i mean unless it was a hilarious critique of people like following machines you know to, <laughs> you know without, what it is like works on many levels
0: when you were when you remember texting back in like 2007 2008 it's all that like t9 texting thing oh, yeah. so you can't it's not as simple as uh you know the iphones these days i'm sure that's what it is
1: oh god isn't there a late um diehard movie involving hacking traffic lights i didn't get that far because i i bailed out on the series at number three i think but i'm pretty sure like maybe the last one there's
0: I believe you're referring to Live Free or Die Hard, which is a movie I I actually do kind of like. At one point, the original podcast host and I here, uh, Joel, in a house that we were living in, we had a um, purchased from a bus stop poster, which was like a five foot by 10 foot size poster of that movie. On our a lot wall. of Bruce
1: Willis for one house. I don't know. It was a
0: it was a very large Bruce Willis head. So anyways, we, we our idea was do we buy like five posters and frame them or do we just buy one big poster? <laughs> so we went with one big poster. Yeah, and surprisingly none of us, yeah, not a lot not a lot of dates. Uh second dates anyways. <laughs> uh so anyways, we start to get our connections to our older movie. Because at this point, there isn't any original war games here yet other than basically the plot but you know there's not like any full commitment to the previous movie and we start to get our connections here annie while she was there at the cafe did a google search of the word ripley and gets information about the game but also that ripley was this system that stephen falcon f-a-l-k-e-n she kind of jumped back and forth between calling him falcon and falcon which is very funny you know professor falcon from the first movie the guy who invented the whopper made the ai based on his dead son's memory and how he liked to play games and all of that kind of fun stuff i guess ripley replaced the joshua project at some point because remember in the movie as you described lucy whopper Made a mistake. Almost had global thermonuclear war. So I guess they shut the system down. And then a couple years later, like, well, we really liked it. So they redid it. I
1: almost believe that a little bit. I mean. I, I do. I <laughs> um,
0: it's funny. We joked about how uh, the end of that movie you feel for it's sad when you see the two people who are in at the beginning, at the the two missileers, and they lose their seats. They don't get their seats anymore because the seats have been replaced by the computer. So they no longer get to sit there and turn the key. You see a sad face of them, like leave, like the chairs are being removed from the silo so that there's room for the computer. At the end of the movie, they get their chairs back. So you're like, those are the yes, yay, the missileers get their chair back. Uh, I wonder me. if they took the chair away again. Yeah, uh,
1: the the triumph is the status quo uh, missileer system that we have today which is really awesome That's yeah what a triumph that is
0: so we we find out uh ripley replaced the joshua project uh you know the whopper and falcon helped to create this system again he if you remember he built whopper didn't like the system thought it was dangerous so he fakes his own death to kind of like live in out as a hermit somewhere they find him in the movie and bring him back i guess at some point in this movie he remarried had two more kids <laughs> changed his mind about ai controlling nuclear weapons and everything rebuilt the system had another turn of heart then he faked his own death because he had pancreatic cancer and wanted to no longer make his family a target so he fakes his own death and is now living i guess in montreal hiding out maybe he he moved he like flew to montreal either way we find him in this in this movie we learn that he's he's there and he's following annie when he touched her at the airport that creepy guy who did that he put a tracker on here but we eventually meet him and it's very odd you should stay
3: together i have a truck in the lot down by the pier meet
2: me there who are you
3: i'm a
0: gentleman who nearly started world war three He faked his death for, like, the second time in his life. That's a lot
1: of times, for one.
0: (laughs) You think about the first one, they're like, are we sure he's dead? Because, you know, he did this before. Yeah. (laughs) And also, it's so funny in this movie, Ripley, if you Google the word Ripley, you'll get information about how it's a system created by the military to track terrorists. And they still have this as the same name as the game that you use to track terrorists. These terrorists that they're trying to track are one- Really good at video games and two, don't know how Google works.
1: I can't. I, this is a true, I can't even with the plot. The original game premise is so nonsensical that even if anything else about this movie was any good it's like the root of nonsense that grows the terrible boring movie
0: yeah it's 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 pretty wild but they connect will and annie falcon they get connected they get in a car on on their way to a location falcon is like telling him like hey um i you know he, he basically gives him his life story uh and why he did what you know why he faked his death for a second time and all that kind of fun stuff uh but he says i got a plan I'm going to take you somewhere and i've got a person who can help bring down ripley so he goes and brings them to like a off they call it an off the grid power station falcon says i got someone in here who can help with this and at first you meet this russian guy who says he used to run the space program and he's like oh is this guy gonna help us and no it it turns out it's joshua the whopper system that's
2: joshua it's old in his day he Miles ahead of the curve. They sent us both out to pasture
3: at the same time. I had him quietly shipped out of state and
0: then here to run a power grid. Amazingly, no one cared. At some point, they dismantled the system, brought it to a power station to run the power station that's now off the grid. But Which, What? I
1: don't know what that means. I assume nothing. Like what is that? Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's it's insane. But they
1: are they living in that power station also, or like in the subway tunnels? Like Falcon, just like is he
0: homeless? I have. It's 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 very confusing because at Ripley. uh, Falcon at one point, before they enter the power station, he turns to these people who he just met and says, you're all the family that I have left. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot about that. You met these people nine minutes ago. (laughs) It's
0: so crazy but so he, he, he brings fun. them over and i guess he was just waiting to meet will and annie to like send joshua to go take down ripley at some point he could have done this at any point it's not like there's a ticking talk right now that they have to you know deal with it's just it's it's weird we also learn that will's dad who we don't met haven't met yet in the movie that he died a long time ago the dad was sick probably from a bioweapon that the government covered up that he was secretly a computer hacker computer person who helped to build a program to help find and return down fighter jet pilots so he was a hero he knew about advanced computers and the mom raised a stink about how he probably died uh because of a super bug program that the government created and that's why she can't advance in her job it's a lot of convoluted like by the way your your dad also was involved in a bioweapon attack so ripley from her perspective is like oh all of this makes sense he's he's like involved in this thing but it has you have to have all of these layers of stuff to justify why ripley's even caring at all about this random kid
1: And that's just like the dad thing is like a further desperate flailing attempt to have a plot and it actually it's like somebody's like the movie's drowning and they add like more weight so it's
0: yeah
1: waves you know David Lightman's dad in the original one is like yelling at him when the dog gets in the trash and is like complaining about the corn being undercooked that like the mom cooks like a totally absent 80s dad which is it's more fun for the kids but it's also cleaner you know it's like we don't it's not important it doesn't have to be a oh, a daddy issue my dad died
0: thing you didn't see the deleted scene of the original war games where the dad was actually a sleeper agent for the soviet union <laughs> and that Korin was a code name for uh, a chemical weapon you know uh, <laughs> ordinance uh, response network you know system definitely no you didn't see that deleted scene okay okay
1: in my dreams i did <laughs> after a lot of nyquil i did
0: so we we know we're gonna try to take down ripley and we find out now we have a good reason to because ripley decides oh someone's like has oh the mother right the mother has a cold they they find out some more information about people getting sick and then in with the flu around town so and uh, oh they're actually the neighbor's brother has a tip that there is a bioweapon prototype that is based on the farmer's chemicals which is like wait what so there actually is true this freaks out ripley so what ripley does is shut down the building lock it down she locks down all of philadelphia shuts down power grids you know, does something to, like, n- prevent people from moving anywhere. And Ripley, who cannot be stopped, she takes a... This is the best part of the entire movie. She takes a <laughs> drone, a Predator drone, that is currently flying over Afghanistan in 2008, that is armed with multiple low-yield nuclear weapons. In Afghanistan, armed with multiple nuclear weapons, she decides to fly that in two hours to Philadelphia, to, de- to-, to destroy Philadelphia, to contain the bioweapon threat.
4: Edwards Air Force Base just came online. Ripley's taking control of one of their predators. It was stationed over Afghanistan, fully armed and fueled. Nukes? Smart bomb with multiple low yield warheads. Well, say hallelujah, Hazard. If that baby hits US airspace, it's going to be a white
1: damn Christmas. So, wow. explain to the good people why this is a stretch. I mean, besides the time problem. Drones don't have nuclear weapons on them hanging out
0: we have nuclear weapons that can get to places in less than two hours but they're missiles right i don't think we have drones that don't fly supersonic to get from afghanistan to the united states that quickly at least we did in 2008 they also turned the predator drone into a jet when it really is a propeller driven thing but the the jet sounds cooler and looks cooler
1: is the implication that this is this is always in the sky this is like the nuclear triad is now the
0: They imply that this, because if it wasn't flying, they would have had, then Ripley would have had to take it over, fuel it, and fly it. But so they make it seem like it's one of those things they did during the Cold War where they ran, you know, essentially strategic, uh, you know, uh, readiness missions where B-52s were going to fly always in the air. The idea there is if they're in the air, they're not on the ground where the Russians can destroy them. If they're already in the air, on their way, kind of heading towards targets and then turning back around then it's a bigger chance that you could do a retaliatory strike, which would mean that the other side wouldn't start a war in the first place. So I don't know why we have drones in Afghanistan uh, with tactical nuclear weapons. If the Russians found out about that, they would be furious. They would flip their lid if they found that that we stationed, because Afghanistan is pretty close to Russia.
1: I mean, the drone thing is yet another piece that could have been something like when I heard that there was an updated slash sequel to war games, I was like, well, that's silly because the original one is so of the moment in a cool way about computers and the cold war. So yeah. Okay. If you're going to update it, having a war on terror sort of yeah. surveillance paranoia thing and drones, like that's a little, I mean, it's, that it's yeah, it was, it was,
0: it was a hot issue.
1: It's almost before it became a really hot issue at least in the really mainstream sense like if this is made in 2007 that's before obama showed up and made that his specialty and stuff mm-hmm. so like there's something that could have like i don't know if i mean i did i know what drones were in 2008 I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't paying enough attention to them that's for sure so like yeah here's a piece that could have been something if there was any coherency <laughs>
0: the United States unless they're you know they haven't told us they don't station nuclear weapons technical or otherwise uh, on a on a drone um, they're delivered via missiles um, and cruise missiles you know can operate in a sense like a drone in the sense that it you could have a cruise missile that you can um, pro- or program a target and it will still make make core course corrections based on images that it's seen or uh, avoiding incoming defensive measures but it's not a drone like a drone is usually remotely piloted. Uh, and or or it's a self-driven motor that can stay up for a while and then launches something itself. We don't put those. We don't put tactical weapons on those things. Maybe we we could see doing that at some point if the weapon usually is nuclear weapons are pretty heavy. Only certain planes can carry them. Not all the planes are set up for them, because they're, they're fairly heavy. Uh, the packages with the, the material and the, everything else that goes into it is usually pretty heavy. But, you know, sure. I, I do... The thing I guess I guess really don't understand is they say in the movie, Edwards Air Force Base, which is based in California, says one of their drones that's currently flying over Afghanistan and fueled has a nuke, multiple nukes, and is on its way now back to Philly to destroy it, because that's what Ripley wants. Why don't just have it fly from, from Edwards? Because like,
1: Afghanistan's a scary (laughs) foreign place it's a it's a war on terror buzzword to to drop
0: i mean i don't know it's just it's so it's very weird but The movie now has a ticking clock like it did, like the original one did. It's two hours. I'm, I don't know enough about drones to, to confirm this, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that if you were to have a Concorde jet fly from Afghanistan to the United States, it would be, it wouldn't fly in two hours there.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a small thing to care about. The funny thing is simply that now we've got nukes, we've got a ticking clock, we've got a rogue AI, we've got a, we've got a war games movie here. Uh, so we're in good shape. And now, Whopper, the Joshua Project. They jump back and forth between Whopper and Joshua. Now, like every good movie, like like Terminator 2, one of the best sequels of all time, where the Terminator bad guy from the first movie is now the hero, good guy protector in the second one. Spoiler alert for that movie. Now, Joshua slash Whopper is now the good guy. He's been created, according to Falcon, to like balance out Ripley. And if they work together, they can counterbalance each other out, and now... This 25-year-old computer is going to take on the most advanced system of all time. Greetings, Professor Falcon. Now we play a game? Yes, Joshua. Many, many games. What do you think about this situation? Like, on paper, it's kind of... It did make me smile when they're like... Wait, whopper's in this and it's a good guy? I mean, I should have seen that
1: coming, I think. Yeah. When when Falcon shows up and he says he wants them to meet someone whatever he says, I had a feeling that's where we were going. I get, I got bogged down in like is Whopper sentient? Like is this an all, you know, is Ripley truly sentient? Like are we trying to say that in these in these portrayals or is it just you know an approximation because what they're doing is very silly
0: i think the movie implies the second one at least that it is a uh it gets close to being like an ai like an official like right. this will pass the Turing test turing test like ai
1: but joshua okay. not so much i mean they just it's just automation run amok i mean they well, made in the talk. first
0: movie in the first movie i don't think it's implied that he like has consciousness
1: okay I mean, I don't like giving him a voice and stuff. I guess the inflation is just, it's a quirk of Falcon. And like, he was thinking about his son. So mm-hmm. he wanted a weird robot son, I guess. Okay. But this isn't an alternate universe where true uh sentient AI was invented in 1983 <laughs> I guess.
0: Well, people in um you know he's had time to mature uh, working at that power station for 25 years.
1: Yeah, a real man's job. He's an he's an adult robot now.
0: Once he realized that he could hurt humans by taking away their comfy chairs, uh when they, <laughs> all that's all they have when they're in a the silo, he he learned what it was like to um you know like again like the end of Terminator. I know now why you cry. It's because <laughs> I took away your chair.
1: I'd say I'm feeling much sympathy for the missileers, Tim. of
0: not really. <laughs> I'm going to get you there. Don't worry. Um, so if people who've listened to the podcast have heard me t- talk about this a lot, and it's uh, the idea that in a lot of these movies, what they're trying to demonstrate is that humans in this, you know, in this movie create uh, an AI or a machine to re- replace the human decision-making process, uh, be faster, smarter, you know, removes the fact that, you know, you can't kill all the humans because the robots are going to, um, still launch our attack. So, like, you can't decapitate us. The robot will do it. Uh, so, you, And you can't destroy this thing. But a lot of these people who make these films and people in in the nuclear policy field that are on the side of the fact that we should get rid of nuclear weapons make the case a lot that humans become automated machines when you have a deterrence policy that the only way it works is you have to automatically when you see a missile coming you have to make a decision in four minutes to kill the world or to to kill millions of people you force like a machine a program the only way that the system is set up for and it works is if you follow that program and you're not allowed to think you're not allowed you're not given the time to think. To, to basically do what they do at the end of the movie of the first one, to wait to see if the bomb is actually true uh, or not and whether it's actually an attack.
1: Like our Mr. Man Who Saved the World did. Uh, Stanislav, can't remember right now.
0: Yeah, in the- Petrov. Yeah, exactly.
1: Literally what he did, right? I mean, he was like, I'm not going to take this as a definite missile attack from the United States. I think I'm going to hold off because I have a feeling it's not real. Good job, buddy.
0: And what these these uh, filmmakers and people that are, you know, talking about these things a lot are to say, you know, this system looks a lot to me like a machine. Human beings are forced into these situations. You, you know, we, we force our pilots to just listen to an order and, and drop a bomb. The, we force the missileers, despite the fact they don't have any chairs, uh, to to turn a key and not giving them a chance to think through it, not to not be human, to be, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's how the military operates, you know, to be effective. That's how, if you want to make nuclear weapon deterrence work... That's kind of what you have to do but people are like but you're also forcing people to be emotionless machines not thinking about the fact that if you turn this key 30 minutes later millions of people are going to die. the robots take the that decision away but you know ultimately if you force that decision in place, if you don't have it you still humans are now the machines
1: like I'm thinking of Dr Strangelove where there's also a process that's very human and looks kind of primitive because it's not even like ICBMs it's like planes. There's a setup that basically cannot be undone once it's started. Like, there's no procedure for calling them back. And that's like, that's a very strong Cold War thing. I never really thought of it in terms of like literally humans becoming like automated, but I think that's definitely a running thing that you see. I mean, I also like the beginning of the original war games, there's the one guy who it's actually the superior officer. Who won't turn his key.
0: John Spencer from the West Wing. Oh, okay. And Michael Madsen from, you know, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs and Two all that vague kind of fun stuff.
1: familiar men. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And like the one guy's hesitating. He wants he wants additional confirmation from somewhere, even though that's not part of the procedure. And he orders the the the, the i literally inferior officer, lesser. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> the the young the junior officer uh to to check on that and stuff but he still won't turn his key and eventually the junior officer turns his gun on him and it's like sir you have to turn your key and stuff and i find that sort of believable in a disturbing way because i think in real life i don't know how like i'm not going to guess how many missileers would do it and how many wouldn't but i think you would get a mixture i really do
0: well they try to train it out of them and oftentimes these people there while there is a mix of older and younger they're mostly i think tilt younger
1: i looked this up recently you can't yeah. be over thirty-five. I was like, they don't, like, they, they don't want any old cynical people who are like, "I hate the world. I'm gonna blow up kids today." They want young people to mold. I just thought that was that was interesting.
0: Yeah, I've aged, I've aged out of it now. Yeah, um, I'm
1: almost aged out. I'm looking forward
0: to that. <laughs> well, that's why you have Ripley take over everything because she can handle it and ripley does not like the fact that joshua it the system is like starting to they, they try to shut her down they throw all kinds of games and things at her because that worked in the first movie so can ripley be defeated by throwing her you know some sudoku to do uh, and kind of r- make her systems quiet uh and get complicated and slow down like if you have too many tabs open on chrome essentially is what they're trying to do ripley doesn't like this the movie throws on some metal music uh and <laughs> ripley's like Oh, this is complicated in my life. I'm going to send a Predator drone at you. She sends a Predator drone to where Joshua is located to, quote, obliterate them and end the game. Annie and Will and the Russian gentleman leave, but Falcon returns and says, goodbye, Joshua. And, like, clicks a button and uh and, and then just is, is killed. So we, we lose one of our, our heroes from the original movie.
1: Is he, though?
0: Although we don't know. Maybe he faked his death a third time. <laughs>
1: I'm I've I no longer believe that man will ever die. Uh, it's like the thing about Falcon, I was remembering in the original movie how not heroic he is. Mm-hmm. He's strangely polite. David and Ali Sheedy, I can't remember, find him on his isolated island and they get try to get him to admit, you know, he's he's the, the Professor Falcon. And he like awkwardly is like, You can stay on my couch, but I'm not gonna do anything about this. And they're like, You're literally gonna let nuclear war happen. And he's like, "What's the point?" He's he's very
0: like. He even says at one point he he's within range of like ground zero of a Russian like target, and that's where he wants to live. He wants to, he wants it to be over as soon as the war starts.
1: I mean, that's just the most extreme example of that kind of attitude that they tell me people were having back in the eighties, and obviously before that, that I don't remember because I was either a baby or not <laughs> alive. Uh but it's not a very heroic portrayal. It's like he ha- he's dragging his feet to pre- to prevent. Uh, or put off at least a nuclear war it's um and they almost try to try to change that in this movie where he's a mysterious old man who holds the secrets that they can tell them and then he just awkwardly blows up it's (laughs) it's such a mess
0: he's he's essentially like a little bit uh a, a little like sam jackson in the avengers movies he's a guy who's faked his death a couple times he lives in the shadows. He's tracing people and, and following them, you know, from afar. He has solutions, you know, he gets the team together. He assembles, you know, the core people that you need, which is a, a Russian former uh, space program director. You have to get a, a, a wise hacker uh, who's not, who's a really nice guy, but, you know, has a dark side. You get a brilliant chess uh, player who used to be, a, at one point, a hacker, and now it's just more, uh, you know, overwhelmed by emotions. You know, you get those people together, you bring in the robot. I think this basically is Avengers. Um,
1: so much better when you when you even frame it that way uh
0: but still again he dies uh at the end although we don't know
1: he won't leave his robot son which i can respect but also i just love that the man has pancreatic cancer has faked his death twice and presumably blows up i mean it's really he's getting very redundant in these in these (laughs) i think they need to make a third one just so he can be alive still because that would be funny at least
0: It would be very funny if he just continued, like, you know, 300 years later, uh, he's still here. I like it. In one hour, uh, Annie, Will, and the Russians, who are arrested by these agents are like brought to dc uh, i thought they were in canada but whatever they maybe were on one of those drones uh and they get to town will and annie come up with a plan with their friend dennis and many other hackers around the world and many other video game people they come up with this plan to say like a hundred million dollars for the next winner of ripley everybody comes to play the game they throw a denial service attack they try to do everything they can to slow ripley down and ripley's like oh i don't like this so Ripley sends the nuke instead of going to Philly, she sends it to DC because she realizes that she's under attack and that's where the threats coming from, so she's going to blow herself up some reason it's 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 not clear they like try to shoot the glass that's around the computer server someone says don't do that she'll think she's under attack and she'll start firing missiles and i i, I really wrote down in my notes like at who who will she fire missiles at if someone's breaking the glass like she's gonna be like oh, i'm just gonna assume it's the russians or the chinese or it's france it's uh botswana like she's gonna start firing like what does that mean sorry it just doesn't make any sense what they're doing ultimately will logs into the ripley mainframe turns out that Falcon before he died, emailed over to the Ripley mainframe a copy of Joshua. So Joshua lives, and they use the password prompt, Max, which is the name of his, the toy, uh, like the Joshua's toy or, or something, I don't know. And and essentially we send Joshua to go kick some, kick some butt.
1: I think the only use that any actually provides in this movie is having noticed that Falcon has the teddy bear that was his son, mm-hmm. his son Joshua's. And at some point must have asked the teddy bear's name, which I don't remember having max
0: yeah they mention it very briefly but it's like Like, whatever
1: ask bother like but yeah she by retaining that she has provided her only use in this movie i would say
0: (laughs) yeah good point max also is a terrible password it's three letters it's a common word uh it's pretty crazy uh note to self uh change password um (laughs) to email so the we're getting bogged down here but the 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 big thing (laughs) is is that turns out that ripley is almost defeated but she knows what's happening she, like, partitions Joshua away from her system. She tries to, like, shut herself down so that because she knows she's being attacked. So she sends the nuke, as they said, to DC, and they say it's going to destroy, this tactical nuclear weapon is going to destroy 100% of the people living there. That's a very powerful, low-yield tactical nuclear weapon. A 50 megaton nuclear bomb over DC would do some damage, but it wouldn't kill everybody. So I think Ripley's just broken. And here's the part that I, I, I get... I got the most annoyed at in the entire movie. Someone says, "This will trigger a response in World War 3 with nuclear missiles because the radar will trace the drone from Afghanistan and somehow nuclear weapons will be fired back at Afghanistan." Realize that if Ripley's destroyed, it automatically triggers a response. Nuclear, depending on the incoming vector. The radar will trace that baby right back to Afghanistan. Because the original movie has this as a plot, they just throw this out there. Who's making this decision? The president? Is the president not know what's going on? It's a U.S. drone from Afghanistan. How do they think that it's going to be? Do they think the Taliban had a secret nuclear weapons program with tactical nukes on a drone? Is this a Russian plot? It doesn't make it. Why would this start World War Three? But now, now, now the stakes are are raised. It doesn't. It, it the movie just says, "Remember in War Games when this was a thing?" Please, please, just remember that here. It's I mean. It's, it's odd.
1: They're taking the 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 trope that I think, you know, still has some teeth to it because it's kind of true about like the 10 minute war where Uh if if one nuke is dropped, then everybody's just going to and then we're all dead. But they haven't thought it through in the slightest about the procedure, like you said, with it's a U.S. A hundred percent. But I think they're just throwing that at at the, the wall as well without they're as thoughtful as they are in the rest of the movie.
0: And and it continues. Andy comes up with the idea to teach Ripley and Joshua to play a game of Russian roulette with live nuclear weapons. And the idea here is, she says, um, and this is where I completely have been lost uh, with the movie. But she says there's this kind of thing in chess where you can do a suicide move, where you can prevent the other side from winning by, but you would you would lose. So. You would both lose. You can do this move so no one wins. And Ripley's playing that right now. So we have to teach her that you can lose in a game. So let's play Russian roulette. And it doesn't... I don't know what that means. Because it's not like they show a computer screen of two people spinning a revolver and shooting each other. They still play nuclear war. They still play the game that we saw in the original movie of Global Thermonuclear War. But it's simulated around something about Russian roulette and they say well she won't do that because she's not allowed to self destruct which again that's the whole purpose of what she's doing is to self destruct so the movie loses its its track here and also the final thing i want to say is there is a very clear winner and loser in russian roulette it's the <laughs> other person that wins when you <laughs> shoot yourself in the head
1: right it, it ends then you don't yeah, have it's to be going. if that's that was my understanding of it yeah
0: it's like the, the winning move in russian roulette is to not be the one that triggers Has the, the bullet and, yeah it, I, I don't understand that at all, but the... because they,
1: if they reuse tic tac toe, that would be derivative on like everything else in this scene. In every <laughs> well, they
0: tried and it didn't work because Ripley's so advanced; she can't oh, fall for the tic tac toe, the tic tac toe trick. Course.
1: And viewers are more advanced now, which is why this movie is so much more sophisticated.
0: Oh my gosh! And I, I'm sorry if this movie to people listening to this sounds like nonsense, but it's just a very it odd is. plot. And it's uh it's... I would say if you're going to watch anything from this movie, it would just be to watch the scenes at the end, the last like 15 minutes. Because it's just bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Will gives Joshua the nuclear launch codes. I'm not sure how he gets them, but they it enters a code in. It's the same code from the first movie. That, that So they haven't changed the nuclear code, which is kind of funny. Uh, there are rumors that when they would set up these permissive action links on uh, U.S. missiles on either bombers or um, silos that the Air Force didn't want there to be a code but the the u.s uh civilian leadership in the kennedy administration said no you have to have them so that you can't accidentally use them so they're like sure we'll have a code it's um zero, 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 zero. And yeah, there's disputes course. about whether or not that was true, but a, a nice missileer, a guy named Bruce Blair, ultimately came um, you know, out of his career as a missileer and, and decided this is really dangerous stuff. Forget my chair. It wasn't that comfortable. Let's try to get nuclear weapons away from this world You know, reported on this. And it's very fascinating. Uh, anyways, it allows Joshua to actually access what they call 36,000 missiles, 6,000 that are ready to launch and one th- sixth of which have nuclear weapons. It's all nonsense. like. And they say, how do you know that, Will? And Annie says, oh, video games. I, I don't know what at all what they're talking about there, but I felt personally attacked.
1: So they mean all missiles in the U.S.? I
0: don't, I don't know. Do they mean do they mean model rockets? Do they mean man pads? Do they mean surface-to-air missiles that are conventional? They just throw out words, like 36,000, 6,000 ready to launch. Just
1: talk about the nukes. Focus your insane screenplay. There are four... Of- Fourteen hundred nukes ready to launch. That's and, what I'm talking about.
0: And that's what it is today. It, before, movie. yeah, it was it was a little. It was more closer to like four thousand, three thousand in like two thousand eight. Uh, Damn. but it just doesn't. It's still, it the movie doesn't care. What the movie <laughs> wants to show you is a map, uh, a big board where there are lines being drawn on it, like they're playing a game of like Missile Commander and on an Atari. Ripley starts playing this game. She starts, but all she does is play war games. She basically pretends to fire nuclear weapons first at North Korea and then at Iran. And this, because of the scenario in the game, causes global thermonuclear wars. Other countries respond and there are no winners. I don't know how this relates to Russian roulette. I'm not sophisticated enough to understand what's happening here. They're just replaying scenes from the first movie. And again, I will just simply argue, if the United States decided tomorrow to launch a nuclear attack against North Korea, it would be bad. North Korea would be destroyed, China would be pissed, the Russians would be pissed, the world would be pissed. I do not know who is responding back with a global thermonuclear war against the United States. China is not going to sacrifice itself for North Korea if this happens. Right. I don't know who I don't I, I don't know what they're talking about. Same thing with Iran. <laughs> it's like, the trope again. I'm telling you, it's the 10-minute yeah. war
1: thing without thinking it through.
0: And look, you can have a nuclear war where it doesn't escalate to full-scale nuclear conflict. It depends on the scenario, but it's not, that wasn't what the point of what the original war game was trying to set up. The scenario was real that they were setting up, um... It doesn't, it's just so weird. They decide to basically do this. They also, I love it. I paused the screen because I don't know why, I, but I paused the screen a couple of times to see on the big board where the, the missiles were coming from. And they, it was just random. It was like my two-year-old son, like drew uh, um, uh, lines on a map. Um, They had nuclear weapons flying from like the middle of South America, from the middle of like Italy, which I guess that's fair. We, we did didn't a have at one, point. one there. Yeah, It's like know. Antarctica. It's just, there's <laughs> lines on a map. Um, Why did... Why did Argentina decide to destroy India? It doesn't make any (laughs) sense. Ultimately, Ripley decides to play a game where she is going to destroy DC with a Predator drone. And then she realizes, oh, I won't win here. I'll die. So they repeat the line about the only winning move is not to play. Are we still playing? A strange
4: game. The only winning move is not to play.
0: (laughs) Right at the last second, she like shuts down the drone attack instead of it being. We see a live feed of the nuclear missile on the drone, and it closes shop. We all shake hands, hug it out. Uh, movie ends. Will thanks Joshua, who knows his name, you know. So he's like they, they they talk about you know thank you Will all this kind of stuff, and the movie ends with a joke that I want you to tell me um, if it's funny or not. But Will says, "Hey, if uh... Joshua."
2: Would you have launched if Ripley hadn't stopped you? Yes, the human race is finished. That was humor. Uh, 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 uh.
1: That was kind of funny in a, in a dumb way, but I was too distracted by being irritated, by the throbbing <laughs> headache that this movie's plot had given me.
0: And at this point, I think he has... Joshua reached sentience,
1: reached consciousness.
0: If he's making jokes like that quality.
1: Or programmer jokes, like everyone loves a good program, the Mm. robot to talk about taking over. With the pause, I did for a second be like, oh man, are they going to cut to black just as he (laughs) says the human race has to be destroyed? I was like, damn, all right, movie. That would have, I mean, that would still be ridiculous, but maybe that would have been better because that would have been. Something besides ripping off a much better movie. Mm-hmm.
0: A nuclear war does take place. The entire universe uh, of humans is destroyed, except one thousand years later, we see that power plant out in the middle of nowhere, and a single hand reaches from the ground, yes! and it and it has and it's holding uh, a small teddy bear with the tag yes! Max.
1: So much better.
0: Falcon lives. Uh, um, we don't find out what happens to Ripley. We don't see if, if Ripley gets just taken out. You know if the chairs come back to the silos. If
1: he hammers out. Just start.
0: Yeah, we don't see that. We don't know if Joshua still has control of the nukes. Um, We don't learn, you know, what happens to the fact that Ripley tried to kill one of her own staff. Uh, We don't know if they're going to shut down Ripley, if it changes U.S. drone policy, terror against terrorist intelligence programs, nuclear weapons policy, defense grids, whatever. I mean- who knows? The sequel has to be like Falcon's son, uh, or daughter, the new ones that he had. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they're gonna be the ones to set up Ripley Ripley too. This movie's crazy. I do have to just ask about one final question with this movie. There's a line of dialogue that they return to in the movie. And it's Annie and Will talking up, you know, and Will Annie asks, Are you a pessimist or an optimist? Is the glass of our situation half full or half empty and he responds he doesn't respond and then she asks him again later you never told me about the glass is it half empty or half full and he responds
4: you know you never told me what about the glass It's it half empty or half full
0: neither it's just the wrong size neither the it's just the wrong size What does that mean?
1: Um, You're a
0: writer. Tell me, what is this? What does this mean?
1: The headache just throbbing about the temples came back. But I've decided now it means that Will is so brilliant. What he's being presented with, he can see beyond that. You know, (laughs) the the false dichotomy of half empty or half full. No, it's something else entirely. (laughs) Three-dimensional chess. Three-dimensional Russian religion. I mean, I think maybe there was... Oh, that Will's just so what a problem solver he is, or I have no
0: idea, one or the other. I, I eventually came down to thinking what it means is, if you know, whether it's half empty or half full, if you just lower your expectation of what you think <laughs> the glass should be filled to, then it becomes full. So right. what I think the movie is trying to tell us is to lower our expectations of the quality of this film, and we'll eventually <laughs> like it. Basically, they want us to do shrinkflation on our expectation.
1: All right, I'll take that.
0: I don't understand it, but, um, you know, that's the movie. There are some new things to talk about, not as much as War Games, so we we don't have to belabor this. Uh, but I do have some interesting thoughts, and I would love to get your perspectives overall. Like, well, give me before we dive into this stuff. What, what do you ultimately take away from this movie? Why did you think they, they made War Games two of all of the films they could have chosen uh, to make a sequel to?
1: I mean, the the generous thing is that with all those half-assed war on terror details and the techno paranoia, the drones are up there, all of that nonsense. The technology, it suggests an update is sort of easy, easy to imagine. They were just so artistically minded that they knew it could, could be done, but also because of that, because they had the rights to the movie and they <laughs> needed money. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is maybe something interesting happening here about the fact that they're clearly wrong about, about Will and the things that they're doing, you know, with, with drones in the original part of the movie. Yeah, they got a terrorist, but they also killed a lot of people that were just innocents. The movie might be playing on this, like, well, who is the real terrorist kind of kind of line, but it doesn't really want to talk about that all that much. No, it does not. They also, again, just kind of dip their toes in things, and, and that includes the original plot to war games. I really don't understand the end game for this this movie. The brilliance of the original Whopper battle, we talked about this, is like to teach the system, this this robot, this artificial intelligence, the futility of playing global thermonuclear war. The idea that if you can win such a scenario on a, on a global scale, like which is something we also talk about in terms of war fighting planning today, can you actually win one of those things? People clearly argue that they either they can or it doesn't matter we have to we have to defend ourselves because someone else will think that they can, and the only way that they'll think that they can is if we let down our defenses. Ripley just seems to wanting to self destruct like she seems like a nuclear attack on herself would would succeed in her mission, uh, and I don't understand why she would ultimately find out that she would lose. They just dip their toe in there. They don't really get any far. Like, the condition of Russian Roulette is, like, if you do a cell phone, you win. Like, that's what you're trying—the closest you was trying to do was to throw a game of Russian Roulette, was to stand there and pull a trigger six times.
1: I think, like, she exists only in that one area we see, I guess, but, like, so it
0: would destroy her, but, like... Yeah. Oh, that's a great point, Lucy. If the Russians were to find out where Ripley was and destroy Ripley, it would cripple the U.S. defense system.
1: It's like the ICBM thing, but worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) her bandwidth is being used up when there are a bunch of people playing the game. Yeah, it's so... She's thinking about online players and also controlling all of the nukes and all that at the same time. There's no divide between those two things whatsoever. It's, it genuinely is making my head hurt.
0: It doesn't make any sense. I will say this though. I don't know if i re- talked about this when we did our original War Games episode. I still think, as much as I love War Games, the ending is also a little bit silly. The idea, like the AI that's programmed to fight a nuclear war the best way, has not yet run through a scenario of global thermonuclear war and realized, like, wait, what are your win conditions here? Like, is it to serve? Is it to survive in a way that humans would? There'd be, you know, not not a lot of death and not radiation and all of this stuff. Like, you you can't do that under the scenarios playing in. So is this the first? <laughs> this is kind of like someone who forgot. Got to study for the test and it's just kind of winging it not ever run through this system before
1: i mean with the original thing it did was falcon just a, enough of a pacifist that there isn't like i mean it's a, it's a little parable it's a pg movie you know mm-hmm, not, mm-hmm. yeah you, you if, if you if you win uh the u.s destroys moscow and then somehow that's the end of it did you win well sort of but i mean you did something very bad that (laughs) killed millions of people and by joshua's definition that is also not winning
0: so well only after they teach it about tic-tac-toe
1: right don't think too hard but it just works it's so much cleaner even if it's still like this little tale of futility and like uh
0: yeah. The only thing I could think of is that the people who programmed, the humans who programmed this, created a wind condition that they would be comfortable with. And it reminds me of the quote from, uh, you know, General Turgidson from Doctor Strange where he says, yeah, no, we would, we would ultimately, you know, if we did this nuclear war or if we fired first against the Russians, you know, we would, we, would, we, would, we would get our hair must. But, you know, they would be like, I'm not saying we
2: wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million kill tops, uh, depending on the break.
0: If that's the scenario, then sure, I guess you can kind of maybe argue that that's the winning, but I don't know what from original War Games scenario would change if that was the win condition. They don't change the win condition. They just play the game a couple times. Right. but whatever it's for us <laughs> it's it, 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 it works but if I'm gonna criticize Ripley I have to criticize Joshua too the movie doesn't really get into why the government decided to get back to the uh, the AI game after what happened with with Whopper I could see that happening you're you're not wrong there the movie definitely jumps on the weird tropes of the fact that there are these things called nuclear codes and you have one of them you can launch all of the U.S nuclear arsenal that's not how that works i I was
1: gonna say I was I was gonna ask but I was pretty sure it wasn't
0: it might the way that it works when you plug a computer into it It, it's not how it works today but you know what we can listen to other podcast episodes where we talk about the fact that there aren't actually launch codes we've already talked about how the ripley id terrorist system makes absolutely no sense that for this scenario to work you need a computer geek with absolute expertise to hack government systems before graduating high school they need to have a troubled past and connection to cybercrime a mother who works at a chemical plant who takes home samples of chemicals to stockpile in her kitchen. She has to be sick with something that can't identify as the flu even though everyone else has the flu. A chess club trip leaving the next day with a very attractive woman that the main lead wants to you know, connect with uh, that requires money that mom won't give. A neighbor from a dangerous part of the world who has a brother linked to crime or not and terrorist sales or not. A neighbor with computer problems that Will can fix and is willing to help with. A father who is also a brilliant hacker involved in a government cleanup about a bioweapon in the past and the fact that Annie just runs away with Will and doesn't ask any questions you get a guy like falcon who changed his mind multiple times since the last movie to build a new ai fakes his death again leaves his family also has cancer uh is living in montreal or is tracking will and it happens to like leave before will does to get on the plane to meet him there a super hacker in an internet cafe and the dumbest government officials on the planet like that's a lot look i like movies movies are fun but i don't that's the only way this ripley system makes sense unless they're trying to say look the u.s is making really bad profiling decisions about what is a terrorist and not a terrorist a lot of people are going to get vacuumed up that don't actually have anything to do with this you know this could be a critique of like the number of people in guantanamo bay that were sent there because what a warlord in afghanistan said i don't like my neighbors or i don't like this person they're a terrorist they have connections to the taliban and they never get a trial or people who are on a the do not fly list for because they have the same last name as someone else like this is a criticism right that could work but the movie just handles it so poorly
1: anything with you know how um the the couple of hops at the nsa has you know your connection to justify the spying like i talk mm-hmm. to you and you call Your friend in Afghanistan, and suddenly, like, I'm also being surveilled. I mean, there's so many technological things that you could do if you had any goal in your movie. I mean, again, the original one, the goal is boy, is this futile. I mean, it's the recurring message in nuclear war movies. It's an old favorite for a reason. This movie, I wanted the nuclear war to happen (laughs) because I was really bored and my head hurt and I hated everything about the movie.
0: (laughs) So, I'm sorry, uh, I appreciate you watching it, but let's. Uh, what other, what other kind of stuff do you want to talk about nuke wise? Is there any other observations you have from, from the film as little as it was there before the headache sit in? Uh, any other, <laughs> any other thoughts that you have related to maybe how this movie takes on the mantle of, of nuclear war genre films?
1: Well, like, what did it want to say? Like, we, 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 I mean, we just said this. If like, there, there's these little bits of war on terror stuff. There's and then it just turns into a really bad aping of the original. It mm-hmm. kinda, it didn't have the courage of its whatever convictions to stand on its own as a movie. You know, you could be uh, a half-assed sequel to War Games and and have these homages without literally basically ending in the same way, with mm-hmm. the same. I mean, the same professor who had once again faked <laughs> his death. That's so annoying. Just that he did it again. Yeah, that's insane. That guy is
0: he's he's uh he's a one-trick pony build some ai get get have second thoughts Vic is death it would be funny if it was a comedy i'd love to see this movie as war games too that would be a parody (laughs) um i guess ultimately i think we found out what ripley stood for r-i-p-l-e-y it's a really iffy plot line eh yolo uh, is kind yeah, of the way I think the, the, the writers thought about it.
1: That's I'm sold on that. That that's as good as anything.
0: So a few things to talk about. Let's let's left here non nuke things. Let's do our parking lot movie discussion. I recently got to go to a movie theater to watch the Doctor Strange movie, and I literally was like in a parking lot. I'm like, oh yeah, I used to do this uh, and talk with <laughs> friends about when movies were over and not over Zoom. It was a lot of fun. I want to ask you, you know, do you think? that there are other nuclear movies that could use maybe not a direct to DVD budget but that could use an update you know i i two of my favorite films that we've covered special bulletin which is a a really fascinating movie that's essentially it is a TV movie that's made to look like a a, a news broadcast of a terrorist I incident seen that
1: yet. Which it's is so good. Absurd.
0: That movie, I think you could do a remake of, and it would still be fresh, and I could find ways to make it interesting. It wouldn't be a sequel, it'd be more like a reboot. I would love to see Failsafe like movie again. There was a George Clooney remake in the 2000s. So I love the idea of a president or decision maker's small room make it look like a uh, 12 angry men like like how the director of 12 angry men made made fell safe the narrow the number of actors that are involved and, and do just like a full think piece on this stuff maybe people won't actually like that anymore but i want to have that movie with us and china over a potential nuclear conflict that maybe started on accident over taiwan but maybe i don't want to see it if it's a uh, mgm you know direct to netflix movie but what film would you want to see remade if, if you had to
1: i mean i'm i I don't have very strong faith in remakes especially now um but i actually after i watched um the dead code war games not to uh i (laughs) i ended up watching miracle mile Mm. because i couldn't find the original war games and i was like "Ooh, miracle mile and miracle mile is a nuke movie it's very strange and it has a weird dreamy quality it's First time I watched it, it was t- like 2 a.m. I highly recommend that because the movie is set. That's bit, me too, like, yeah. It's really spooky. Um The ending, which I'll say it's not, it's not a cheery ending, was still giving me chills and stuff. Um, You could update that movie. The, the, the premise is like, you know, Anthony Edwards intercepts, a pay phone call, which is a immediate problem, but you could change it to work or something, maybe a work phone call. And it, it's, a, it's a missileer trying to warn his father that the nukes are coming. Uh, Anthony Edwards has been at this all night diner cause he was late for a date with Mayor Winningham who he now is he's, he's smitten with, he intercepts that phone call. He's in the diner, he has to figure out if he's taking it seriously. And then it turns into this weird thing where he rescues Mayor Winningham and there's this crazy sort of chase all over Los Angeles mm-hmm. Trying to get to a helicopter to a plane which will take them to antarctica because <laughs> denise crosby the 80s businesswoman can arrange it theoretically if they can get there it's very strange and very eerie and very 80s like there's yeah. an insane 80s gym scene at the end which is so weird if you had somebody with a little art in their directing and you worked with the phone thing because it kind of depends on pay phones, and then one person having a cell phone, like you know, because you need her to try to mm-hmm. arrange the thing. If you tried, you you could you could do a decent thing. Still, you know, have the neon lights like late at night, spookiness still. Make it about nukes still. I mean, if you really just want to do a remake, it could be done. I don't recommend it. I think it might be a disaster,
0: but. Maybe I think this movie could be, I think you can make this work. You throw in three things. You throw in disinformation, deep fake type things where people are like, and this was a plot, I think, of a book by Jeffrey Lewis who wrote this um, fake history of looking back on the the great war between... the u.s and north korea and it's like a like a, re- a congressional report looking i at that somewhere in my house yeah. so that that got initially some stuff on tw- it was a mix of twitter and disinformation and hacking and other stuff you throw that in there it's like hey you know it's a prank bro it's not actually a nuclear war but you know you don't know um whether it's real or not because you throw in some conflict scenes at the beginning of the movie that make it look like es- there was escalation between u.s and something and then you also throw in the story of the fake missile scare from hawaii the one that was a couple of years ago where people did think there was a nuclear war and had to make decisions about what was happening or at least a nuclear attack. You throw those three kind of ideas together uh, and then some, um, you know, some maybe Tangerine Dream can come back and yes. do the score. I'd love to see that movie again. I love that film. I own it now on Blu-ray because I-, I love watching it again and it's something i love to return to. I- I- okay, I'll, I'll- I- I'd be supportive of that.
1: I watched it and it had commercial breaks, which made it a little less eerie, but that ending <laughs> still, still so, uh does it does the job
0: oh fun i and also think this movie is a love letter to montreal a love letter to canada because so much of the movie takes place in montreal for no real reason other than they probably could film there and they didn't want to have to pretend it was like boston uh, or philly or something so i was just thinking do you have any, any favorite movies that take place in montreal or canada
1: i have never been to montreal and i bet i've seen a lot of movies that are set in Canada that are pretending mm. not to be. Yep. Um, I it did remind me of I've been watching a lot of the Stargate TV show, and you wouldn't believe how many planets across galaxies are actually just British Columbia. So
0: <laughs> Canada is very useful. How the universe pulls Stargate back into your life uh, with this film as well?
1: It's just the vibe lately. I'm, I'm I got sold on that show finally after falling asleep a lot watching that movie, which ends in a nuke does it not i believe
0: it does i I don't know uh Ah. the spoiler alert um (laughs) i mean also how the weird the weird universe is i the a few hours before i started to watch this movie i put up a goodwill hunting poster in our movie room so and then they made a goodwill hunting joke and it was a it was very weird um I'll recommend a movie here that's called Away We Go, which is uh, a movie that stars John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. Uh, It's directed by Sam Mendes, who does, like, some of the recent Bond films and a bunch of other cool stuff. Uh, It's got an amazing movie. It came out in, like, 2009, so kind of around the same time as this movie. But this is about a couple that are deciding on kind of where they're going to start a family because Maya Rudolph is pregnant, and they don't like they're where they live. So they kind of do this, like, road trip around different places and ultimately settle on montreal and they're like the movie convinces me someone who's never been to montreal that i think i might want to move to montreal they have to not go to montreal because of some other reason but i almost moved there so i probably should go visit at some point to actually make, see if i want to but the movie does a good job of of that and i just i know this is unrelated to nuke stuff but it reminded me of like yeah why is montreal in this movie oh ah, this looks pretty nice Oh, ah, maybe i'll oh yeah that movie about where we go maybe i will move there
1: this podcast sponsored by the Montreal Tourism Board.
0: I love it. Uh, I'll at least ask for them to to <laughs> to pay for the um, hosting fee. All right, so we're, we're we're let's wrap stuff up here. We've been gone. Wait, this is the, probably the longest time anyone's ever talked about this film.
1: No, I just am reminded. Of, you recommend the Dead Hand, which I've only read a little bit about, and just that I absolutely thought that yeah, code, that something about that would be referred to in this movie, and it's not. I
0: don't know what the dead code means. Um, Yeah, no. uh, Let's think of a better subtitle for this movie. War Games 2, Ripley's Would You Believe It or Not? They remade War Games. That's my recommendation.
1: Well, your opening joke is is actually perfect, I would argue.
0: (laughs) War Games 2, the only winning move is not to hit play. Exactly. Well, then I guess we kind of tipped our hat on the rating system, which is where we normally rate the movie. In this case, uh, War Games 2... The dead code out of five, one being the worst and five being terrific. But we tailor it because if we're gonna get super critical about the nuke stuff, let's wide as well. You know, tailor the rating system. So I've, I've talked to Ripley, I've talked to Ripley and Joshua, and we've punched the numbers together. It's a one out of five scale, with the scale being levels in the Ripley video game. Because if you only get to level one, eh, you're not winning any prize money. But if you get all the way level five. You'll win prize money, all-expense paid trip to Montreal, and your own name written on the outside of a Predator drone's Hellfire missile. Which is pretty good. It's like being like a Patreon sponsor and get your name thrown out there at the end of a podcast. Lucy, how many of those would you give this?
1: Uh, I would give it one star if that is the lowest rating that we have available. Um, which I think means that I survive and I'm not a terrorist. So <laughs> it's a win, I would argue.
0: Yeah, it's it's that version in chess uh, where you, you can win by losing. Uh, I would also say a one. This might be the worst film I think we've covered uh, on the podcast and I've covered a lot of kind of interesting interesting ones. The leads aren't, I don't think the leads are terrible. There are some things in the movie that are entertaining. I was surprised. I was surprised when Whopper popped up and I was like, wait really okay uh but what happened there and they just kind of ignore it and they we focus more on the jokes that there's this drunk russian um here in the middle of this for no real reason other than the fact that look in the first movie in the first movie the u.s and the russians are fighting now they're combined together and they're working together much like how whopper was the bad guy in the first one now he's good in the second one so i don't know all right so we're not recommending this movie maybe there's other things we recommend people to check out something related something unrelated. Uh, I've got a couple things here, but uh, what do you have that you'd like to recommend to people instead of this?
1: Well, I bet you'll have some uh, wonky nuke stuff, but I'm going to go with watch the actual war games. Again, it's PG. It's sort of, it's, you know, make your teen, teens watch it. I don't know. The first one, it's, it's well worth it. I've liked it more on repeat watching. I'm also another 80s new classic Miracle Mile. It's spooky. It is kind of a bummer, but it's kind of arty too. And then trying to get a little away, but also not from nukes, I was thinking, okay, AI, uh, well, why not the Iron Giant? Because that's literally about a weapon, learning not to be a weapon. And then I was like, oh, but also there are nukes and it's the Cold War. So duh. And you should do a show on that. And I should be on there.
0: Maybe the way I'll make it up to you from watching Testament and then this also bad, but kind of lighthearted direct sequel movie is to finally we'll do iron giant and you're on you're on deck for it
1: that'll do it that'll that'll redeem you.
0: <laughs> I've got four things I like to recommend to people. The first is uh, a book by someone who will be a future guest on this podcast um and I've been on her podcast before uh, natasha Bajma uh, she does uh, a podcast called um Authors of Mass Destruction where she talks about how people who work on w m d things and from the world of fiction, how she can teach. Them to be better on nukes and uh, chemical and bioweapons and and be a little bit better about combining fiction and storytelling with some sort of realistic grounding uh, into these things. So her and I get along really well comes to you know our perspectives on these topics. She wrote a book series. She's really a prolific author, uh, and the one that I want to recommend specifically is called Rescind Order. It came out in June of 2020, and it's a story of how um, U.S. decision makers are navigating a nuclear crisis. And they inter- introduce autonomous weapon systems, social media communication problems, deep fakes—kind of what we were talking about. What, how you could make Miracle Mile work. She has this series where it's a, a female-led government official, and I really enjoyed the book. And it's a good one. I think is a better one to watch uh, and to spend your time on instead of War Games too. The Dead Hand—it's a book by David Hoffman. I recommended it a lot, but it's essentially about how. Uh, during the Cold War, uh, the U.S. and Russia had various systems that we only found out about a little bit later, and including in Russia a system called Perimeter, or Dead Hand, which is close to uh, what the Doomsday Machine was like in Dr. Love. It's not perfect exactly, but it is similar, and that's where I thought, again, like you, that's where this movie was going to go, but it's not. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> uh, I recommend a really silly show on Hulu called Future Man. Uh, yeah. it, it ran from 2017 to 2020. Uh, it's a Seth Rogen-produced thing, uh, but it stars Josh Hutchardson from The Hunger Games. Um, he plays, I think, uh, Pita in The Hunger Games. But it's essentially the idea of... It takes kind of like the idea of playing a video game, you're really good at it, someone is using it as a recruiting tool, whether it's to identify you as a terrorist or, like in Last Starfighter, they become uh, the best pilots in the universe and take out the bad guys. The idea here is... Future Man, this character, whose name is like John F- F- Fuderman, is um really good at this video game, but he's like a-, a schlump everywhere else in his life. So people from the distant future come back in a time machine and recruit him to join forces to destroy something because they, they sent back this game to identify heroes for the rebellion, and he's just a total loser. But the show is really fun. It gets a little bit odd in like season three, but I had a, a blast watching it. You watched oh, it as well?
1: I did. Um, it had some cringing moments, but yes, overall- true.
0: It's, it's, a lot. it's a Seth Rogen-produced show. Yeah. It's not perfect. <laughs> but the, the leads um, are all really fun.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Finally, I recommend an article in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist that was published in February of this year, in February 2020, uh, by Zachary Collinborn, called Giving an AI Control of Nuclear Weapons, What Could Possibly Go Wrong?, Zachary is a research affiliate with the Unconventional Weapons and Technology Division at the National Consortium for the Study of Terrorism and Response to Terrorism at the University of Maryland. Seems like something if you were writing this movie, you'd want to read to see how they got it right or wrong. Um, But it's also just a great read on the subject matter. So if you're interested in it and you want to see really what goes into it, uh, read Rescind Order from the fiction standpoint and read uh, Zachary's piece uh, here on the technical side of stuff. I will do that lucy both apologies and thank you for coming back what a ride thanks for always being the person who will come on when i want to talk about a a thing but can't get my other friends or other one to go to i know i can always turn to you for these things i hate to be the the, the go-to on this but i really appreciate it and it was a lot of fun hearing um and talking to you again
1: uh it's always such a good time and it was more annoying and less depressing this time and that's (laughs) fun for a change
0: where can people find more of your musings on a uh, nuclear pop culture, on um, all the various things that you write about in PA?
1: Twitter's the easiest, I think. So that's just L-U-C-Y-S-T-A-G. And I started a sub stack that you can probably find if you've got there, too. But Twitter's always good.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much again. And uh, looking forward to talking to you in a couple of months about um, Iron Giant. Yes.
1: I would be so pumped.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Supercritical Podcast. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, uh Iron Giant related or otherwise, or you want to tell us what we got wrong, uh there are a couple ways you can contact me and the show. I'm on Twitter at Nuclear Podcast. I also have a website, supercriticalpodcast.com, and an email account that I am getting better at responding to, a supercritical podcast at gmail.com. I appreciate everybody's patience. I haven't released an episode in two months. a uh, combination of getting COVID, traveling, Work being really busy uh, and just kind of being hard these days to schedule uh, you know, sessions. But we got a couple things lined up. We're going to do um, an episode on The Fourth Protocol, uh, which is a spy movie that's starring Pierce Bronson as a bad guy, which is kind of fun. Uh, we're going to do an episode on The Dead Zone, which is one of my favorite scenes ever uh, in a nuclear movie uh, where Martin Sheen, uh, Jed Bartlett himself, starts a nuclear war with this ridiculous uh, hand-scanning uh, machine flash nuclear football uh, we're also going to talk about we, we 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 have all kinds of films we're going to talk about in addition to the Iron Giant. So please uh, continue to listen, and we always appreciate people with the email in, and we will find uh, you know more time to be able to put these ap- episodes out there. Uh, but until next time, this has been Tim Westmeyer. and Lucy Steigerwald. and remember, if it's pop culture and radioactive, we are bound to get super critical about it. Have a good one.